For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. In order that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. In order that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all of the saints. What is the breadth, the length, the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. In order that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all we can ask or think, according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, to all generations, for ever and ever. Amen. Father, we come now to hear you. Please, Lord, help us. Help us engage. Help us start our engines that we may walk in the truth that you've already given us and the power that is ours because we are your child. In Christ's name, amen. All right, time for some meat and potatoes. Ready? The Apostle Paul starts this section, paragraph, for this reason. He bows, and we looked at this last week, the reason that he bowed his knee was because of the majesty of who he was speaking to, and that is significant to worship. But in that same majesty, it is also great humility. When I read through this, I ask you one single question as a believer. What can you do to strengthen a person's inner man with the power of the Holy Spirit? What can you do to have Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, rooted and grounded in love? What can you do to understand the height, the breadth, the depth of the love of Christ? What can you do to be the fullness of God? Exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what you can think or imagine. What can you do? Do you understand why the Apostle Paul says, who's adequate for such a task? Because I've had people in the past, I've told you that I've taught this text numerous times in, uh, <laughs> in, in different countries. And uh, <laughs> they always ask me, well, what is the inner man? It's the opposite of the outer man. <laughs> okay. You know what the inner man is? I'll get more into this next week. But you know what your inner man is? The real you. No, 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 no. Be careful. This is the one that your spouse may not know all of the details. This is that one that's in there that every once in a while has those thoughts that go chirping between your ears and go, what was that all about? That inner man. That's the one that there's no hiding. And yet, he prays. And he prays. Listen, when I go through these verses, 14 to 21, I have an awesome amount of conviction that that section right there should be our foundation. For every believer of Jesus Christ. Now I've read some people. And I know some amazing men of God. Who said this text right here. 14 to 21. Is the key to the whole book of Ephesians. Okay. I don't know if it's the key. I did use the illustration to turn your engine on. And this has got to be done to get that sucker running. But I do know this. It is the bridge between the first and the second parts of this book. The first 
two and a half chapters is they describe what a Christian is, what your position is, the identity that every believer has in the person of Jesus Christ. As a Christian, do we know who we are in Christ? Do you know the resources that belong to every believer? Listen, I'm sorry. My 35 years of walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, this is missing in a majority of Christians. They know what they're supposed to do and not do. It's like this. Let me give you an illustration. You have a child, an adult child. They want to get married, and you tell them you can't out-marry an unbeliever. Why? Well, the Bible says so. Well, it's an old book. Why would God say that? Because... We're here to share the gospel. So if I get married to an unbeliever, then I can share the gospel with my life and my testimony to this new unbeliever and they'll become a believer. The reason you don't marry an unbeliever is what you already possess. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are a single entity that is a possession of God. And He only wants you hooked up with a person who's a single possession of his. But see, we don't know that. How do you know they won't get saved? Well, then date them until eternity and see if they get saved. Then marry them. All right? And you can be a living proof of the patience of Job. This is missing in many believers. The last three chapters of this, we understand those. We know exactly what that means. Husbands, you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church, gave himself to you. Wives, you are to submit to your own husband. Children, you are to honor your parents. Don't be a, a mean old boss and don't be a lazy old slave. That's paraphrased. Okay? We know that. We go, do I'm going to love my wife today. I'm going to buy her a car so I can get a truck. Right? We know how this works. We know what it says in the last three chapters. It describes how we are supposed to live. But the problem is, do I live in those last three chapters in light of the resources that I possess because I'm a child of the Most High God. All of the potential that is there, the resources that is there. You know, it's... I used to be an electrician, okay? And we had this thing that's called Ohm's Law, okay? Ohm's Law, okay? And it's a law. You know what that means, right? All right, anyway... Ohms is resistance. Okay? That light bulb right there has resistance in it. When I put amps in it with the potential to move it in volts, I get resistance and that sucker glows. Same thing with electric motor and all the rest of it. All right? But you can have an amp sitting there and you can have resistance sitting there, but if you ain't got no voltage, guess what you've got? Nothing. Because, see, it takes volts times amps equals watts. You know what watts are? That's power. But if I don't have the movement of the amps with the volts, I don't have no power. That is what we are as Christians. We have everything there. But sometimes we don't move. Why? We don't tap into the potential. 
What is the potential? Oh, I don't know. Think about what God's potential is. These potential resources, this power source, all of these riches, the wealth, the energy that is already there. Chapters 4 through 6 is how this energy is to be applied in our lives. Take the power source that is there and plug it into our lives. 14 through 21 of chapter 3 is the bridge. It is how, how do I take these sources, these resources, this energy that spoke existence into being, that resource, and turn it on in my life? How do I do that? See, we've looked at the power plant that is in a Christian. Chapter 4 through 6 is our race. Here's this massive machine of energy. 4 through 6 is the race that is before me. How do I get that turned on so I can do 4 through 6 in the resources that are mine because I'm a child of God. Listen, God bless you. I have been around long enough. There's a bunch out there who are trying to race without turning on the power. I mean, and God bless them. Their motives are honorable. Their intentions are special. But by golly, they are taking a very high-performance machine and pushing it. Paul is praying that the Christian's ignition would be turned on. And fully engaged. How to engage this power plant? These resources. Where do we get the energy that God has already given us in Christ? Where do I get that? How do I engage that? The power for the purpose of living for the glory of God. Verse 14, we've already looked at this. I bow my knees before the Father. Verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives his name. Okay? That's cool. So, I shared with you last week, there's two fathers. One father is the father of lies. One father is the father of light. Right? So, He's speaking of those saints who have gone on to glory and those saints who are still remaining here and those saints yet to be called. He says, I bow my knee at the Christian to get fired up. I want to see, look in verse 16. I want to see the power flow that he would grant you. Now listen to this. He would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power. Through the Spirit in the inner man. You know what's interesting about that? I asked you, how do you do that? How do you do that? We are to make disciples, right? So I'm going to set you down. Boom. Here's Terry's disciple. Now I need you to be strengthened with power in the inner man. How are you going to do that? Do you see what I'm trying to get at? You can't do this. This is impossible. So what do we do? What did Paul do? He prayed that God would do this work. God, on the basis of your riches, of your glory, 
I want you to release this power in the body of Christ. Take you back a little ways. Chapter 1, verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling and what is the riches of His glory of His inheritance of the saints. I pray there that the Christian will comprehend chapter 1. Now, in chapter 3, he's praying that now that you understand this, I pray you would use it with the resources you've got. How do we use this so that we're running on all cylinders? You know, let me give you a for instance. If you ask people, some people, when did you come to salvation? Okay, and they'll tell you a date, a year, sometimes, you know, I was eight years old or whatever it is. Okay, all right, and you'll tell them that. You know what's really bizarre about that? That's not true. You were saved before the foundations of the world. Before there was existence, you were saved. You were known. Now, put your head around that. Now, explain that to somebody. Hey, man, I was saved before there was any time. Well, you don't look like it. (laughs) Well, all right. But that's what he gave you in chapter 1, the first part. And he says, you know what? Your little temporal brain is going to hurt thinking about this thing too hard. To the exact moment that that saving faith invaded your body, he knew before he created. God, on the basis of that, opened the eyes of their heart so they can... Get a hold of that. Chapter 1, verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His, what? Grace. Now then, I touched on this last week. How much grace does He possess? But I want you to comprehend that. The riches of His grace. Hey, how about verse 11, chapter 1? We have obtained what? An inheritance. An inheritance goes to family members. Okay? Verse 14 again. Who is given as a... Who, the Holy Spirit of promise... Who is given as a pledge of what? Of our inheritance. Chapter 2 verse 4. But God being rich in what? I wonder how much mercy God has. Probably pretty close to the same amount of grace he's got. What do you think? And he has to pray in chapter 1 that we can understand that. See, if you back up on your salvation, and instead of saying, okay, I, 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 I need to love my wife as Christ loves the church and gave him, I, I need to submit to my own husband, okay, because that's because I'm supposed to. Uh, I, I, my kids need to honor me. My kids need to understand that and get a hold of that. I need get a, No, man. Back up. According to the riches of His grace. Because I have the Holy Spirit of promise as the promise of my what? My inheritance. The riches of His mercy. 
then how in the world couldn't I honor my parents? Uh, how can you not love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it? How can women, well, I'm not submitting to him. You just don't understand him. No, but I understand chapter 1. And in light of chapter 1, how come I can't do these things? How rich are we? Hmm. How do we explain that? The riches of him. Let's see. We own everything God owns. Got it? So what is it you're struggling with the temporal things? I remember when I first moved to Colorado, I had been through a, a kind of a tough stretch of life. Purely all self-inflicted. Do not pity me. It was, it was done intentionally. So I, my conclusion was, I just want to be away from people. Just for me and other people, it will be safer. Okay, so I thought. So, I had been working two full-time jobs here in Colorado. And I knew how to do it. I'm going to buy me a house in the mountains. And, and, and dig a moat around it. And put a bunch of claymore mines and bazookas and things. And only people I let in are those that I want to let in. That was my plan. And so I found a couple of really nice places. They were vacant property, beautiful views of the Continental Divide and everything. And I went and talked to a realtor, and I about fell over. I, I was stunned. I said, yo, dude. Now, this is early 80s. And I was like, hey, yo, dude. Nothing personal. It's vacant land. It's just dirt. He says, but look at the view. That's what you're paying for. Wait a minute, Clyde. I already own that. You're going to charge me for what God made. Does he get a percentage? But they were charging me because look at the beauty that God created. Now, I didn't buy it. I was like, you're out of your mind. I still have to build a house on it. Okay, so you see what I'm trying to get at? Wait a minute. Who owns that? Who owns that view? Guess what? Christians do. And so why is it we chase? What is it we chase? I need a newer, bigger, smellier something or other. Got to have a bigger car, a bigger house, a smaller house. You know, it's funny because everybody wants a big house and then you get at a certain age, you're like, I want a smaller house now. You know, because I looked at a house and it had two stories. I don't want two stories. Why? Well, I like just being on the ground. I, I step up onto the porch and walk in the house and I don't have to step up or down to do anything else. Why? It's overrated. Well, wouldn't you like to have a basement? No. No, no. I don't want no basement. Why? You've got to have stairs. I guess I could put an elevator in it. But you see what I'm trying to get at? We chase all the things that are temporal. We become obsessed with a lot of this stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, wait a minute. We are heirs. We are joint heirs with Christ. Which means that everything God possesses Hmm. It's ours. It's ours. We possess everything that he possesses. And everybody's going to say, ah, I'm just not sure about that. All right, verse 3, chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, which ones did we get blessed with? Every one of them. We are as rich as heaven is. Romans chapter 8, remember? 
We are heirs, joint heirs with Christ. Try to think of that. Grab a hold of that. You think about all the things they dangle out in front of you that you've got to have. Really? I guess God doesn't have one of those. He does not own a computer. I know that emphatically. Computers are always upgrading. God doesn't. Okay? I don't have to get a new program. He's got one that works perfect. Okay, let me try to help you from this perspective. Who are the richest people in the world? Now, I know the richest family right now has been the one since the 60s. The DuPont family is the richest family. Okay? We all know, I also know that Vladimir Putin is the richest politician in the world. Okay, but there's some other guys that ain't doing too bad. The Rockefellers, they're not, they're not doing bad. The Gettys, they're, they're hanging in there. It's kind of tough. But we can add in there the guy who's in charge of uh, Facebook, although I still haven't figured out how that works. You know, I'm worth a couple billion dollars, but it's just stock. I own stock. And you know what? The only thing it is is every once in a while I can get on my computer when it ain't downloading, and I get on there, and it says, look, it's just worth that much money. It ain't there. I mean, it's not like I can shake my computer and oh, let me have that. But um, Bezos, I think he's the richest single individual on the planet Earth. Warren Buffett, he's mad because Bezos passed him. And at least Buffett has something. He owns railroads. Okay, Bezos is a middleman. That's all he is. And I've never understood why we do that. We won't even get into the ex-CEO of Tesla. They're worth billions. Hundreds of billions. Did you know, I remember reading this and it just happened to come to me. Some of you... Most of you should know. Shirley Temple? Everybody knows Shirley Temple? You know, she made her first million dollars before she was 10. Do you know how much a million dollars was when she was 10? That's a lot of money. And what'd she do? She got curly hair. Where'd she get that? And she could dance. Where'd she get that? Listen, when I look at these things and I listen to these people and I see these things in front of me, we can see that kind of riches. You know, houses and cars and private planes and all this other stuff. You can see it. We can understand that. But what is spiritually rich? We struggle to understand that. See, what our struggle is, is that we look at things that we can visualize. I can see it. I can put my hand on it. It's, uh, uh, people ask me, well, you know, you, you doing your own retirement to the stock market and everything. What is your key to doing that? I'm not buying stock on something that if I drop it on my foot won't hurt. Okay, to me, that's a that's an abstract. You're not making anything. You know, I'm buying a Microsoft. What the heck is a Microsoft? Well, it's a program. Well, I know that. But I can visualize Caterpillar. Hey. I know Caterpillar. I can visualize Chrysler. Look at there. And of course, you know me, Harley Hogg. I can look right there or one. I can see it. 
So let me take spiritual and move it into this perspective. When you think of the richest people in the world, okay, the richest people in the world, I mean, what's his name? Bezos has a rocket engine company, and he's got a newspaper, and he's got whatever Amazon is. Um, I mean, he's got people send him money monthly so that they can be prime. How does that work? Better yet, how do I convince somebody to do that? Hey, if you send me an extra 10 bucks, I'll make you prime. Okay? I don't I, What does that mean? You can call me anytime? <laughs> well, there you have it. If I compare all of these billionaires, hundreds of billionaires against everything in the universe. How does that look? If you take all of the wealth that humanity has and put it in one big bucket, how does that stack up to creation? Because I always back up to, huh, God only owns existence. That makes him kind of rich. A few hundred billion compared to existence is what? See, I remember a math thing a few years ago when... uh, George H. was in the White House. George W., sorry. And they said, if you take and spend $1 million a day, okay, since the birth of Christ to the end of George Bush's second term, okay, a million dollars a day, you just barely spend $1 trillion. Now, I won't get into the last administration spent 10 in eight years. But you think about that. If I take all of that wealth and compare it to existence, how does it stack up? There's nothing there. He's rich. A few hundred billion, a few hundred trillion... It's really nothing. See, God owns the planet that you and I are on right now. Did you know God owns every planet? God owns every star. He even owns every molecule of existence. That's the basis of his riches. To me... (laughs) This seems to be a big difference. If I compare all that man owns to all that God owns, it seems silly. So spiritually speaking, God owns it all. And as Christians, spiritually, guess what? Kind of something, isn't it? Actually, if you think about it, without a lot of effort, it's almost overwhelming. You think about how easily we are distracted by... By what? Little bitty baubles that are out there? New car, new house, new furniture? I mean, there's things that we need... But I got news for you. If he owns every molecule, that means the electricity that is being used right now to light these lights and keep the refrigerators refrigerating and all the rest of them, those are all his. Now then, if that doesn't cause your head to hurt, try this. How do we function according to those riches? I need to take a nap. 
power of God is on our behalf. The unsearchable riches that he speaks of, those are ours. No, I'm not waiting to receive them. They are ours now because we are children of God. Our problem is, is that we have lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, and we get distracted very easily. Okay, so, so mankind is ADD. It says, look, a, a rabbit. Oh, I need another rabbit. Or a squirrel. You see what I mean? And that's what we get obsessed with. <laughs> look at that. Ooh, ooh, I, got, I need one of those. Listen, there's things that we need. Right? We need transportation. We're so scattered out. You, <laughs> you'd have to start walking home today so you could turn around and start walking back to church. I agree. There are things that we need. But I am not giving you $250,000 for a battery-powered car that I can keep an extension cord for. Nah, I ain't not doing that. How do we function according to the riches that he has given us? The power of God is ours. See, back to our text, that is the basis that Paul's praying. He wants believers to know they are so rich and that he would grant to them according to the amount of God's wealth. His riches. It's like I told you when we were doing chapter 1. I said, this is us looking at God's bank book. This is His bank account. And then He prays, I hope you guys can get this. Because now He's saying, how do I write a check? How? How, how, how can I make a withdrawal? How can I engage these resources? We've already looked at what is God's power. We have it all. Why in the world, if we know what God's power is, if we know we have it all, why would we not use it? Remember, I told you he went in prayer with boldness and confidence. Why? He knew what God possessed. He knew that what God possessed was his by faith in Jesus Christ. Why wouldn't you use that? That the incredibly wealthy Christians who have unmeasurable spiritual resources... We use them in the matter of living. Apply these resources to our lives. See, Paul sees this. Paul sees there's a problem. We get, we've got the information, but what happens is we live in this temporal place, so we always drift over to the information that says, okay, I, I got to do this, and I, I need to pray without ceasing. Okay, I, I don't want to despise prophetic utterances. Okay, 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 I got it. I'm going to love my wife as Christ loves the church. Okay, I got that. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. But if I, how's come my wife won't submit to me? Why are my kids honoring me? I'm doing these. How's come that ain't working? You know why it ain't working? You ain't the Holy Spirit. I know some of you think you are, but you're not. It's not my job to to convict people. Did you know that? It is my job to say, dude, do you know how much riches you've got? And if you don't know my Jesus, do you know how broke you are? I don't care where you live. I live in Castle Pines. I don't care. 
how do I apply these two? Verse, remember what he said for this reason? Backs us up. Remember, we've already looked at this. Backs us up to chapter 2, verse 22. Right? And whom we are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. That's what the church is. That's what the church is. Holy temple of the Lord. We're being fit together. Christ is the cornerstone. Foundation is on the apostles and the prophets. We are fellow citizens with the saints and our God's household. We are no longer strangers and no longer aliens. We have access in one spirit to the Father. Every believer in Jesus Christ. Them is some serious resources, people. This prayer is for one purpose. I'm going to ask you, it's time to evaluate. Are you ready? Is everybody ready? We're going to shift it into gear. Fire it up. Verse 20, chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond what we can ask or think according to the power that works within him. How you doing? Is he doing far more abundantly? Beyond what you can think or imagine? How are you doing with verse 19? I'm filled up with the fullness of God. We have all that we need. Okay? Now I'm going to set the stage again. Here we go, because this is, this, this is, we're going meat and potatoes for about the next month. This prayer that you see in 14 to 21, actually 14 to 20, okay, is five progressive steps. Okay, there's five of them. It's five steps. In the original language, there are five purpose clauses. Okay, this is very, very, very important. Okay. Uh, purpose clause. Uh, the purpose results in the clause and what the action is. Okay. Do this in order this will happen. Then, when that happens, this will happen. All right? Listen, this is very important for you to get. This is not the best out of five, it won't work. That, that's like saying, you know, I just put one of those 750 horsepower Corvette motors in this car. I put in it an eight-speed automatic transmission. I've got disc brakes front and back. Slip differentials. I've got it all. But I didn't put a battery in it to start it. There it says. It's that dandy. Sure runs quiet though, doesn't it? It's a progression. It's a sequence. Listen, and you don't start at the end and move back. You start with the first one. Then you progress to the second one. Then you go to the third one. Then you go to the fourth one. Then you go to the fifth one. And then you end up with verse 20. Okay? Here's how it starts. Inner strength. Then, indwelling Christ. Don't you find that fascinating? You have to have the inner strength of the Holy Spirit to get a hold of the indwelling Christ. Anyway, we'll deal with that coming. Okay, inner strength, then indwelling Christ, then miraculous love. Miraculous love. Then, infinite fullness. That one there is going to be painful. Infinite fullness. Just giving you a heads up. I'm a little farther ahead than you guys. Infinite fullness is, yeah, anyway. And then you have internal 
power. See, that's, that's when the internal power is released. Okay? But we must understand, not until there is inner strength, the indwelling Christ, miraculous love, infinite fullness, that the internal power seen. For the Christian to really get his power engaged, he must do these five in the order that they're given. Listen, you can go out right now, you can take chapter 4, 5, and 6 of this book and knock yourself out. Okay? You might be able to put up with her. She might be able to put up with you. Okay? And you can get it done. But you'll find at the end of it, you're wore out. If I'm running on the power source that is given to me in chapters 1 and 2 and a half of 3, guess what? I <laughs> There's no issue. There's no effort. I mean, you're only working on the power of God. I'm just a container. I'm just cruising around. Do, 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 do. And yet, I see so many people. I don't know. If, well, you think God's tired and you'd take over for a while? What are we doing here? What do you do when Isaiah... Now, Isaiah had a ministry I hope I don't ever get. What do you do when he says, you will run and not grow weary? What do you do when it says, you will soar as the eagles? Well, that was for Isaiah. See what I'm trying to get at? There is stuff you can take and memorize the Bible, but if you don't kick that ignition on, so what? My computer memorized the Bible, and I think sometimes it's demonic. For the Christian to really get engaged, he has to know this inner strength that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. He has to understand the indwelling of Christ. And I'll deal with that in detail. Christ is comfortable in your soul. Because when Christ is comfortable in your soul, guess what? It's miraculous love. And it's all over the place. You start realizing He's comfortable. Well, you know what? God is what? Love. And he's in my soul. And then there's the infinite fullness. What does that mean? Well, if I've got the Holy Spirit in there doing his thing, I've got Jesus Christ in there, and he's absolutely comfortable, I understand his love, and it's just amazing to me, in the power of the Holy Spirit, then that means I've got the fullness of God. And you shouldn't be able to shut up. You should walk around. i got a goofy grin on my face all the time. Why? Yeah. I get the fullness of God. Get out of my way. Now do you understand why Paul says, we need to pray about this. To use the energy that is there. It begins in verse 16. He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. Whoa, people. You should go read some of my notes. With my notes, I normally just go down the page, left to right, left to right. But I had notes going left to right, up the side, back down around that side, come back down that side, with arrows pointing back to where I had to come like over here to this side. Why? I keep looking at this understanding and trying to get my little pea brain wrapped around the fullness of God in every believer. And how the world would be freaked out. That's where we're headed. Woohoo! Strengthened in the inner man. I will stop there. Because I really would just like to cruise right on through this thing. And uh, I, I wouldn't get you out of here till Tuesday. So maybe. 
Let's pray. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher. Father, the things that you are showing to me, I pray, and I've been beseeching your throne daily that I can articulate this in the feebleness of my, my being. Father, I pray, Spirit indwelling your people who sit here, that he is already strengthening them in the inner man, and they are drinking deep. And Father, that they'd be overwhelmed by the resources, the, the magnitude of the wealth and the riches that you have given us. And that, Father, the privilege and the awesomeness to be part of the family of God. Wow. Help us to understand we are heirs, joint heirs. Uh, the Holy Spirit is given to us as a promise of our inheritance. And the riches of your grace, the riches of your mercy. Father, overwhelm us. In Christ's name.